0: Good morning, and uh, I hope you can say that with me this morning, that today is a good morning. Uh, I feel like that could be in question given the week that we've had. Boy, we have had one of the hardest weeks, at least one of the hardest weeks that I've ever been a part of in terms of our country and our nation. Not only are we continuing to struggle with the coronavirus pandemic, but uh, many of the major cities of our country have been, have, uh, been full of racial protests this week. And, uh, and I think that uh, the protests that were right around in this area at least have, for the most part, been peaceful. In fact, I was very proud to see this picture of Uh, people on Barranca Avenue here in West Covina, kneeling together in prayer for our city. But as a whole, we can safely say that our nation is in turmoil and that there is a lot of unrest right now, not only in communities, but in people's hearts. And so this morning, as we come together to look at God's Word The thing that we need the most is God's healing. We desperately need God's healing. And so this morning we will talk about how God is able to provide healing. And I would challenge you even now as you begin to pray to ask the Lord uh, or to begin to offer your request to God for your own healing. It might be healing for uh, our health. And maybe you are going through physical ailments and difficulties and you pray for God's healing in your health or, or maybe the health of others that are struggling with diseases or illnesses. Uh, we pray for healing for health. We also pray for healing for our hurts, the emotional wounds and the, uh, the hurts that we have inside of us that have come boiling up in so many this past week. But just even as you think about your own life, uh, we pray for God's healing for our hurts. And then lastly, we may pray for healing of the whole. In other words, the whole nation and all that is going on. Uh, We pray for God's healing. As we turn to God's word this this morning, uh, the passage that we are going to be looking at is a story from Jesus about how he heals a woman of her spinal disease. She's been in this condition, the Bible tells us, for 18 years she's been hunched over, unable to straighten up. And Jesus calls it 18 long years she's been suffering like this. However, it's it's more than just a physical ailment. Verse 16, uh, Jesus makes it very clear that that uh, this ailment is from Satan. Satan has bound her and caused her to have this problem for so many years. And so just as we begin to turn our hearts towards God's Word, I want to lay out the main point of today's message. And that is that Satan is behind every evil, but Jesus has the cure for every ailment. Satan is behind all of the turmoil, all of the difficulty that we have in this world right now, in your life. Satan is the the author of those things that have uh, taken us away from God's peace and joy. Satan is behind every evil, but the good news of Jesus and the gospel is that Jesus has the cure for every ailment. Jesus ultimately has the cure for coronavirus, Jesus ultimately has the answers uh, for racial discrimination and injustice. Jesus ultimately has the cure for the difficulties that we experience individually. And so in a trying week, we need to hear from God and his word. And as we prepare our hearts to look at God's word, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we come before you now uh, to look at your word, uh, there is just a heaviness to the moment that this is a difficult time. And uh, God, it's really just my desire that, that your heart and your voice be heard and seen this morning. And uh, God, I, I just pray that it would not be my words, my, my opinion, or my two cents, But God, may it be your word. May may the truth of Jesus and the Bible come forth loud and clear that you would bring to us what you would have for us today. And so God, I I genuinely and humbly ask that you would come and speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We are going back to Luke. We're in uh, the series going through the Gospel of Luke. And this morning we are Uh, in chapter 13 and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 17 starting in verse 10 it says on the sabbath jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a ruler was and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years she was bent over and could not be could not straighten up and so this is first of all this is on the Sabbath. And Jesus has been invited into the synagogue. The synagogue was the place of worship, and the Sabbath was the day in which all the people were to gather. And so Jesus evidently is like the guest preacher. He's uh, the one that has uh, been invited to bring God's Word. And there is there a woman that has been crippled, by a spirit for 18 years. And uh, we don't know what kind of disease that she has. We do, we do know that it's by a spirit, ultimately at its heart is, uh, this is, this is a, a spiritual warfare issue, but to put it in medical terms, maybe she has a kind of a spinal stenosis or scoliosis or some sort of degenerative spinal condition. And she's been that way for a long time, for 18 years. And that's surely enough time for this woman to become very bitter and angry, frustrated and discouraged. Now, we're not told that in the text, but to use my imagination or to use our imagination, I would imagine that there have been periods where she has felt those difficult emotions but the one thing that we know about the woman is that she's in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. No matter how she felt, physically or emotionally, she has found the strength to, uh, to get to the place where God's people would gather to hear God's word. And no matter how we are feeling this morning, our challenge for us from God's word is to keep coming back to the Lord. Now, as I said later in the passage, Jesus would say that it has been 18 long years. And maybe you feel like all that has been going on uh, here recently has been a long period of time. And maybe you are even feeling weary this morning, weary of the isolation or weary of the, of the struggles that this country continues to have with Racial divides and discrimination, and uh, and it's been months, and for the for this woman that it's been uh, years, and for many of us, or, or for those of us that have struggled with that kind of uh, discrimination, it's been decades, maybe even our whole lives, and maybe you this morning are coming, and you're just a sense of weariness whatever the source may be there is a tiredness emotionally even physically and you're just ready to call it quits even give up and the challenge from the woman who has come and will be healed by Jesus is that even after 18 long years she's there She's in the synagogue. She's there on the Sabbath. And Jesus has the opportunity to call her forth to receive his healing. Galatians 6 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And that's what we see in the example uh, in this passage. Going back to Luke 13, verse 12, it then says, When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. The first thing I might notice about this uh, verse is that Jesus called her forward. I'll admit, when I was looking at this passage this week, the thought entered into my mind, well, if Jesus was truly a gentleman, wouldn't he go to her? It has to be uncomfortable for her to come to the front of the, the stage in front of all of the people. Not only uncomfortable physically because she has this degenerative disease, but it's maybe uncomfortable for her emotionally to stand up in front of everyone. Why is it that Jesus calls her forward to him in front of everyone else? Well, I I can think of two reasons. One is it is an opportunity for her to express her faith. She's there, right? She's continuing to turn to the Lord. This is an opportunity for her to express her faith to come and to receive healing. And then secondly, it is in the front, in front of all the people, that others get to see what is about to take place. And they get to rejoice in it, and God gets the glory. In other words, they get to see and delight in being able to witness God's miracle, and that God would receive the glory because it's, it's obviously from Him. You now, if she were to stay in her seat, as uh, the people in the back row would not get to see those that were that she was sitting in uh, be, behind, they're facing forward. They would not get to see. This is an opportunity for everyone to rejoice in it, and for God to get the glory. And this is what we see happen. Now, in verse thirteen, it says, "Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up." And praised God. This is the opportunity for praise to be poured forth to God, for Him to be glorified, for Him to be recognized uh, for what He has done. The praise goes to God. You know, I have the habit of oftentimes asking God, uh, God, help me. And I've noticed in that prayer, obviously, that's a good prayer. biblical prayer, but I think for me, what's behind that is an emphasis on the me part of it. God, help me. God, you come alongside of me and help me in what I am trying to do. And the problem with that prayer is, is that if there is a me-centeredness, it is I who get glory. Glory. But if I was to switch it just a little bit and pray, God, help, let me help you. The emphasis is switched not from me, but to God. And this is not a prayer. It might sound like a prayer, but it's not a prayer of, uh, God, let me help you out because you're deficient in some way. It's a prayer to recognize that God has already been at work in every person that I come in contact with. God has been at work in this community long before this church even existed here. And before we even meet someone who may come to our church or that we may meet as we, uh, as we serve in the community, God's been at work in that person's life. Our, our uh, opportunity is simply to join in with what he's already doing. Let me help you. and let, In other words, it is all, all the weight of the healing and the reconciliation and the and the work that God is doing all the way to that rests on God's shoulders. And it's simply an opportunity for us to come alongside. Now that brings joy to our hearts. And that brings glory to God. This is true for us individually. And this is true for us as a church. God longs for us as a church to be a blessing. And to invite others to receive the, uh, the blessings that God has for them. Michael Frost and Christina Rice write in their book, uh, To Alter a World, about how the church engages in this. They say the redemptive plan of God cannot be divorced from the fruitfulness of the church. The fru- the, as the world is redeemed, the church flourishes. As the church flourishes, the world is redeemed. So the church is both commissioned and equipped to repair the fabric of society and to serve as envoys of love, dignity, commitment, communion, and grace. And I share that quote to you because I just think that that speaks into our current situation so much that we exist as a church to flourish, to experience all of God's blessing, but not just for ourselves, but so that it flows out into the community and flows out into those that we know and love and come in contact with. And then they experience God's blessing, his redemption, all of the good that he has for, uh, for them. So as the community is redeemed, we flourish. And as we flourish, the community is redeemed. And in all of this, we are simply used by God. We are his envoys to bring love and dignity, commitment, communion, and grace. And is that not what the world needs right now? For us to be his envoys, to be his vessels, to be used by him to bring these types of things into the world. In this passage, all the people begin to praise the Lord for what God has done for this woman. Everyone is praising God except for one person. In verse 14, it says, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people. Now, let me just pause there and say, I found this really interesting. He does not speak to Jesus himself. He must be kind of a passive-aggressive person because he speaks in a way that Jesus would overhear, but he lays the burden and the blame on what he fe- sees as a problem on the people. And he says to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The synagogue leader would have been in charge of synagogue worship. He's the one that uh, would have invited Jesus to come and address the people. And, uh, and as the leader of the synagogue worship, uh, he was someone that was very highly respected and thought of in the, in the community. And so what he had to say to the people was very important. It was, it was uh, he that was in charge of teaching the law to the people so that they could understand it and apply it to their lives. And just given his role, we can begin to understand why he is so hung up and bent on the Sabbath being uh, obeyed, because he thought of Sabbath and synagogue as crucial for God's work. He thought of Sabbath and synagogue as the means by which God's salvation would come. In fact, the, early, the first century religious leaders uh, believed that the Messiah would not come until enough people were obeying the law. When there were enough law keepers in Israel, then God would be pleased enough to send his Messiah to them. But Jesus does not seem to share the same religious views. He said, he answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what has bound her? Jesus is challenging the religious leaders to get their priorities straight. In fact, he uses the example, you'll take your donkey or ox out to get water, but you're going to get frustrated that this woman is healed on the very same day. What's surely what's more important, the donkey or the woman? And Jesus reminds them that this woman is a daughter of Israel it's a reminder for us that each and every person that God has created has been created in the image of God, endowed with divine dignity and deserving of love and respect. Jesus comes down so hard on the religious leaders in this passage because they have lost focus on what is most important. He calls them hypocrites because they've got it all wrong and mixed up god was not so much concerned with sabbath and synagogue as he was with souls jesus as the messiah came not because of good law keeping but because he wanted to save people from their sins and so this is the lesson for the pharisees souls over sabbath and synagogue and this is surely the lesson for us as well people over place and preferences. You know, we can get caught up with, well, we got to meet in a certain place or we want our own preferences to be honored and, and, uh, and, uh, and given um, uh, gi- uh, be given into that we would receive what we would want to have happen. And God is reminding us, people over place and preferences. That's our call to, as a church. People over place and preferences. We exist so that others may experience God's love. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that during the last couple months, people are more rude than they were before. Not that, I'm ever, not that it seems that everyone's always been super friendly, but it just even when I've had to go to the store to get some groceries or, or I'm out and about for whatever reason— you know, I'm wearing my mask and I'm trying to uh, obey social distancing uh, rules and everything, but everyone just seems to be a little bit more on edge. Have you noticed that? People seem to be a little bit ruder. And I don't know if we've kind of lost the sense of of one another's humanity because we're not able to see a smile on another person's face or or if we see others as just more of germ carriers than people themselves, but, we, uh, but it seems that society has, is in the process of losing people over place and preferences. And we as a church are called to stand out, to remember God's heart that he has created us, to bring God's salvation so that others might know him. Our mission statement as a church is still that we exist to spread a passion for God so that he is above all else in our lives. Church, And community. And when this happens, it results in joy and delight. Notice the happy note on which this passage ends. Verse 17 says, When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted. The people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. I just want to remind us in the week of such turmoil and difficulty that God is still a God that longs to bring delight. Joy is the attitude of the kingdom. I just want to remind us that God is still up to wonderful things. In fact, he may be using these difficulties to to usher in new blessings from him. God is a God of delight and wonderful things. And, uh, and he still is a God that longs to bring his love and his mercy, justice, righteousness, redemption, and reconciliation into this world and into our lives. And so the point of today's message is simply that Satan is behind every evil but Jesus has the cure for every ailment. And I think it's a call for us just to be called forward like Jesus called the woman forward to receive God's healing and God's blessing. It's an it's a opportunity for us to be called to receive healing for our health or for our heart or for the whole. And I invite us, even now as we prepare our hearts for communion, to go before the Lord in prayer and to ask for his healing. Ultimately, the reason that Jesus can be the cure for every ailment is because he died on the cross. He uh, he was wounded for our transgressions so that we can receive his healing. Let's go before the Lord's uh, table together.